0: ION 2020 episode 105. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, the source that you come to daily, Monday through Friday, for the news and the related events for the 2020 election. Keeping an eye on all things that are going on with Trump and those that are trying to compete against him for your vote for the presidency of the United States. This is what I do every single day, Monday through Friday, from a libertarian perspective, of course. So I appreciate you joining me. I really do. If it's your first time listening, I certainly appreciate you coming and listening today. And uh, if you'd like to listen tomorrow, all you got to do is do one thing, and that's hit that subscribe button on whatever podcatcher you are listening through. If you subscribe, then you'll be able to hear me tomorrow. But I also have 104 episodes previous to this, and if you want to listen to those, I would appreciate that as well. And uh, then you can go ahead and follow me, iOnTheEmpire.com, and also on Twitter, iOnTheEmpire is the Twitter handle all one word, as well as I on the Empire is Facebook, the Facebook page that I have as well. So uh, thinking about things that are going on with the news lately, and I just wanted to bring you a news update on a few things, you know, find, give you some news articles that i found, because lately I've been covering a lot of things that don't really have to do with the candidates, right? I've been covering some foreign policy issues, I've just been covering some policy issues and things like that, but the news, you know, there's, there's a little bit going on here and there, but Trump's been kind of... The whole, this whole Mueller investigation has kind of taken over everything. A lot of things, you know, with Trump trying to boost up this Iranian threat—that's been a lot on the news as well. Uh, Trump opening up, you know, sec- I guess classified records for the Attorney General to look through to see if someone's been investigating him, or if the FBI was investigating him. Like that's been covering on the news as well. So I've been spending a lot of time on the news. You know, just watching a few things and stuff like that. And I just wanted to bring you a, f- a couple articles that I found as well today. That's what I'll go over today because uh, uh, finding some issues that are going on with these candidates as well as the things. That's what I'm, you know, I, I do that for you guys. I really do. It's my job. I'll find all the, I'll, I'll go through all the news trying to find the information that's going to be best to help you make a decision and uh, critique it from a libertarian perspective. If you're not libertarian... You know what? That's fine. You can still listen as well because, uh, you know, at least it's good to have another perspective on things, right? That's what I always say. So, I was going through some articles today, and I found one NewYorkTimes.com. This is from May twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. Trump's formidable twenty twenty tailwind, and then it says the economy and incumbency drive presidential election outcomes. This is by Stephen Ratner, and uh, this is an opinion piece, but it's his opinion, obviously. <clears throat> what the article is about is uh, that Trump has a tailwind right now, but how strong is that tailwind? Is what he says. So he says the economy invariably ranks among the top issues on the minds of voters in presidential elections at the moment it appears to offer President Trump a meaningful tailwind. And I've said that in the past, right? That, you know, economy and econ- economic issues do win or lose elections, right? And that's what he is just verifying as well. <clears throat> He says it's a tailwind for Donald Trump, which you know we 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 definitely have to. I definitely have to agree with that. That having a good economy is going to help someone get elected. Uh, it's the it's the economy stupid was like the famous saying that Bill Bill Clinton said. It doesn't matter anything else doesn't really matter as long as people do vote from their pocketbooks and how big their paychecks are and how confident they are in the economy. So if people feel like the economy is good, if they feel like things are going to go well, then they're more likely to vote for the incumbent. And they're more likely to vote for Donald Trump in 2020. So, the economy being good, it really depends upon uh, whether he's going to get re-elected or not. So, going on with the article. But how big is that tailwind? Fortunately, economists have worked hard to develop the models for predicting election outcomes. And according to one of the best of these, it should be quite large. So... What he shows in a little graph here is that I'm looking at is that the estimate models show that Trump is going to get 56% of the vote, but the polls are only having him at around 41% right now, and Joe Biden's at 49%, but they're saying that uh, according to the estimates based upon how well the economy is going and so forth, that some of these uh, polling agencies take into account based upon the economy that he should win hands down. With 56% of the vote, but my honest opinion on this is that yeah, the economy is going well, and there's you know the GDP is good and all that. Like that's what they're that's what they're basing these numbers on, right? But Trump has defied expectations no matter what on everything. So the polls and the the data don't take into account, I guess, the silent majority, of these silent people that are going to get out there and vote for Trump, no matter what. It's just you know, 2016 was absolutely insane. The way that he was able to bring in the votes in the states that Democrats normally win, that are, that are not swing states like Pennsylvania and Michigan, right? And he brings these blue-collar workers to to uh, to the polls and is able to get them to vote for him. So even though he the polls show that he's 41 percent of people are going to vote for him. Fifty-six percent, based upon the estimates, you know that these that these polling agencies talk about when it comes to the economy, whether he's going to win or not, they're saying he should get fifty-six percent of the vote, and they're pretty accurate. When it was Obama back when in two thousand twelve, based upon the economy and so forth, he got. They were estimating that he'd get fifty-one point eight percent of the vote, and he ended up getting fifty-two percent of the vote, and that was based upon economic indicators as well. And then it also, the estimates were similar for George Bush when he won, that, he, that they predicted one thing and that they, that they were really close on the actual prediction of how much of the popular vote he ended up getting. So based upon this, Donald Trump is going to get 56% of the vote, but it is worth noting that he has defied all, you know, people really hate him or they really love him. I don't know that there's a lot of people in between, Then there obviously are people that are in between. But I think those in-between people, as long as the economy is going good, they will vote for him. So he might end up getting 56% of the vote, even though 41% actually say that they'll vote for him. So we shall see. That's what the article says, though. And uh, Donald Trump, man, he has just been getting blasted from all sides lately. You know, like Nancy Pelosi is talking about that... She's going to pray for him and his family and all that. And then he's ba- bashing her from another side as well. And it's like they're just going for low blows constantly against each other. The Congress and the and the President, they're not going to work with each other and so forth. And I don't know that that's going to be good for him in the sense that is it going to help his reelection campaign? Is it? I mean, I just wonder about that because people like to see Like, average people, not libertarians, but average people like to see these people that they're doing something, right? You always hear them say, well, if they're not not doing something, we need them to work together. We need them to start working together. You hear that all the time, right? And so the average person wants Congress, they want the president doing something. So is that going to be helpful for him? I think that it helps his base when he's really hard-nosed about these things. So... If you get the base riled up, maybe it'll it'll definitely bring them out to the polls. But I don't know. I mean, I've been confused on this whole thing for a while because he has low approval ratings overall. Although, if you look at Rasmussen Daily polls, like it seems like he stays around forty six, forty seven percent of people approve of the job that he's doing, and then fifty one, fifty two percent of people disapprove of the job that he's doing. Right, and then those that strongly approve and strongly disapprove. Those things they, they kind of fluctuate, but he stays in the mid 30s on his strongly approved, the people that strongly approve of him. So, and I've always said those are the people that are going to vote for him no matter what. <clears throat> those that just approve of him are going to vote for him, maybe, right? They, they, if Joe Biden seems like a better candidate, then they might vote for Joe Biden or whoever runs against him as well. So we shall see what happens. But, um, he has defied you know every expectation that i've had of this guy he has defied that in the sense that from the polling standpoints from 2015 2016 on like i've i thought that he might get elected but i don't i never really had that much confidence in it overall so we shall see what happens though definitely that's why you keep on coming back to ion 2020 every day right cuz we're talking about these things and i'm talking about these things cuz i'm letting you guys know where these guys stand and uh, keep on coming back like that. So let's move on to another topic though. So will Democrats impeach Trump? That's in an article that I found on WITF.org and it says impeach Trump question mark. Most 2020 Democrats tiptoe past the question. So on a lot of these town halls that these guys are doing, Cory Booker, you know, Elizabeth Warren, and so forth, like a lot of them, They are always going to be asked the question, especially if they're in the Senate or in Congress, if Donald Trump should be impeached. And even if they're not, if they're a governor or a mayor per se, uh, they'll definitely get that question as well. Should Donald Trump be impeached? And this article says that most of the 2020 Democrats uh, tiptoe past the question. So let me read further. Democratic leaders in Congress have urged or argued that impeaching Donald Trump is a pol- political mistake as the 2020 election is near. Most of the candidates running to succeed him seem to agree for now. I think it would be a 2020 mistake, to be honest. Um, it's going to rile up his base in the more division and so forth. So if he does get reelected, you can guarantee that Congress will, at that point, initiate impeachment proceedings. But right now, they don't need that that um that flash you know that that light on there on them as the disruptor as, as the disruptors right they really don't want that and so it's not gonna be good so nancy pelosi they always talk about her where she is holding the reins back on all these people that want to impeach right and a lot of people say it for political reasons they want to impeach but the leadership on the democratic side they definitely don't want to impeach because it's definitely not gonna be good so moving forward with the article, fewer than one third of the 23 Democrats vying for the nomination are issuing calls to start the impeachment process, setting evidence in special counsel Robert Mueller's report they believe Trump or believe shows Trump obstructed justice. Most others, including leading contenders Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, have found a way to hedge or search for middle ground supporting investigations that can lead to impeachment, or saying Trump's conduct warrants impeachment, but stopping short of any call for such proceedings. The candidates' reluctant or reluctance, even as more congressional Democrats start pushing their leaders in that direction, underscores the risky politics of investigating the president for high crimes and misdemeanors. Impeachment matters deeply or yeah, impeachment matters deeply to the party's base, but remains unpopular with most Americans. So the article is basically saying that, you know, these guys they don't. They're they're trying to tiptoe around the issue. They're trying to find a middle ground. They're not trying to declare that they want to impeach Donald Trump and start the proceedings right now. And it's just because it's a political it's a political hand grenade. Most people do not want to see the the president impeached. They would say, you know what, they're just being a sore loser at this point. Um, why don't you just get him up? Why don't you just put a put a good candidate up, up there and get him elected or her elected rather than. Try to impeach the guy, so and once, like I said, once 2020 hits, though, if Donald Trump wins, then they will initiate impeachment proceedings almost immediately, and it's just because at that point they have nothing to lose. They have four years, at that point, to impeach the guy if they can make that happen. So, but the Mueller report, I mean, from what I've seen, and maybe maybe I'm not reading the blackened out areas or whatever, uh, but it didn't seem to me that. Obviously, he didn't collude with Russia. And then the, then they say that the main thing, though, is that he was obstructing justice. That's what they're going after him now. I said that a long time ago on the show. I said they've, they've gone away from colluding with Russia, and now it's all obstruction of justice because that's what the Mueller report alluded to. Um, but I just, I mean, if you look at the actions of the president at the time, I don't. I mean, after reading what I read of the Mueller report, which I read quite a bit of that part of it, I didn't see that much of this obstruction of justice as well. Um, I have my problems with Donald Trump. You guys know that. I have major problems with Donald Trump on a lot of issues, but one of those issues is not his his uh, obstruction of justice. Like, I I really don't see it, and I think I'm pretty unbiased in that way. And I think a lot of you guys are too as well. I mean, we don't. Uh, libertarians, we kind of look at things from a little bit different perspective, but there are a lot of Libertarians that I listen to that love Donald Trump, that I that I hear talking about Donald Trump, how great he is and so forth. They've, they, they've been filled with the glory of Donald Trump in some ways, you know, and they just feel good about the guy. Um, and probably more on economic issues. Definitely not on his foreign policy as of late. They can't feel too confident in the guy, but they think somehow he's playing 3D chess and all that crap. Um, I just don't believe that. So that is, I mean, that is the article in the nutshell that these guys are going to tip around the questions, but it's just just not good for, I mean, all this impeachment talk, it's not going to happen. It's not good. It is absolutely not good for a Democrat in 2020. They just want to get rid of this guy and they can do it if they put up the right candidate and if they put up the right message. Who's going to be that person? I don't. I, it won't be Bernie Sanders. It can't, I mean, he won't. He won't be able to beat Donald Trump. I don't think. Um, Joe Biden possibly, Kamala Harris possibly. Um, we shall see. I mean, those are the people that are leading right now. And then you have Pete Buttigieg. Like I said in the past, he is a sleeper. But it's not going to be like Cory Booker or um, Amy Klobuchar or anybody like that. I just don't see those people rising up. It doesn't sound like that to me. Um, Elizabeth Warren is way too far left. She's going to be a thought leader though. She might change a little bit of the platform. Things like that. But most likely Joe Biden. Possibly uh, Pete Buttigieg. That's who I'm kind of thinking are going to be the two top contenders at this point. So uh, we shall see. But 2020, Donald Trump ends up winning. Man, it is on. They are going to be setting up impeachment proceedings almost immediately. And speaking of Joe Biden, there's an article that I found. I got this stack of stuff it's an electronic stack of stuff, so you can't hear all the, like the, the rustling and all that stuff that you'd hear on some shows. But I have an electronic stack of stuff that I get every single day on all of the news and the events that are going on with the 2020 election. Uh, so I'm cruising through my electronic stack of stuff, and I found one from FoxNews.com. And it says, where's Joe? Biden's campaign pace called into question. And It it says, after launching his Democratic presidential campaign in late April, the former vice president came out of the gate with a busy schedule, holding events in all four of the states that kick off the primary and caucus calendar, as well as stops in California, and Biden started and closed that campaign swing with speeches in his native Pennsylvania, which is also a crucial general election battleground state. But Biden hasn't held a public campaign event, since the large kickoff rally in Philadelphia on May 18th, since then he's only headlined a top, you know, a top dollar fundraisers in Nashville and two more in Florida. And while a bunch of his rivals in 2020 nomination are stum- are stumping this weekend in Iowa, Biden's off the trail. Wow, that's crazy that he is not on the trail on World Day weekend because there's a lot of um, festivals and stuff that go along go on in these states, but it might not be a money issue. It's definitely not a money issue. He's getting plenty of money rolling in. I think it's more of a stand-down issue. Well, let's see what they say further. And next week, June 4th, Biden returns to the the first-in-the-nation presidential primary state in New Hampshire, but as of now, he's not scheduled appearing at a California Democratic Party convention, which kicks off on Friday, or the Iowa Democratic Party's Hall of Fame celebration a week later. Both of those gatherings will attract plenty of 2020 Democrats. Biden will be holding two major fundraisers in Boston on June 5th and two more in New York City on June 17th. Sources close to Biden's inner circle tell Fox News. So what he's doing right now is he is trying to get money, money, money. He's doing campaign fundraising events, and that's about it. And that's true. I mean, that's what most of these guys do. He doesn't really... He's already the the leader, right? So he can... He can... If he's up by double digits on on Bernie Sanders, which is the closest person I think it's like 34-17% to 17%, right, so that's almost, yeah, that's double, right uh, he has plenty of room, he has plenty of wiggle room to kind of get off the campaign trail, go find that money go get those donors, especially the big corporate donors that they're going to need and the larger, you know, the people that are going to make the larger donations to his pack and to his campaigns and so forth, that's what he's going to do for the next month or so it looks like and then he can start working towards making can't doing campaign events and so forth does he have, is a lack of energy on the guy's part I'm not sure he's an older guy he might not have all the energy he's like in his late 70s right so he might not have the energy that a younger person like a Cory Booker or a Pete Buttigieg or somebody else that's much younger you know has where they can just go out there every single day day in and day out and just knock on doors and campaign and do all the stuff, all the kissing the babies and all that stuff, but um, he definitely has the ability to raise the money, and that's it's being the top contender right now, he's going to be out there raising money, so, uh, that's, so it says, this weekend, the former president's schedule was spotlighted by a Washington Post article that headlines ba- Biden's campaign of limited exposure, so that's the Washington Post article that they're referring to. And it says, but in many ways, Biden's schedule makes sense. Thanks to his eight years as President Barack Obama's vice president, Biden enjoys sky high name recognition, unmatched by any of the other nearly two dozen Democratic candidates running for the White House. And Biden came out of the gates much stronger than expected and currently enjoys large leads. So that's exactly what the article, that's exactly what I just said. And that's what the article is alluding to as well that he has plenty of name exposure. He has plenty of, he doesn't need to get out there and talk about his policies. Because people already kind of know what his policies are. And he's going to run as long as he can on Barack Obama. The less he says, the better, I think, in that way. So that's where Joe Biden's at right now, and that is from my stack of stuff. And that will let me go on to the next article in my stack of stuff as well. So here is some very positive news for Bernie Sanders in the sense that it makes me feel good that he said this. And uh, and hopefully he's going to make military issues, foreign foreign policy issues, a center point of his campaign. I know that Tulsi Gabbard is a huge Bernie Sanders guy way back when. Like during this 2016 election, she endorsed Bernie Sanders. So maybe she's getting through to him. Who knows? But Or maybe she, he's starting to see that she's getting some excitement built around her campaign because of her anti-war stance her pro-peace stance so this is what bernie sanders says he says bernie sanders the article i'm reading is from RealClearPolitics.com, and it's by T- tim haynes on may 26 2019 he says bernie sanders to military industrial complex we will not continue to spend 700 billion dollars Per year on war. At a campaign, campaign rally Saturday in Burlington, Vermont, Senator Sanders outlined his anti war foreign policy, saying, I make no apologies for trying to do everything that I can to make sure this country does not get into another war in the middle east recently i have been attacked in the media because of my views actions and votes on foreign policy issues sanders says so let me be as clear as i can be yes as a young man along with dr martin luther king and others i marched against the war in vietnam as a member of the house of representatives i helped lead opposition to the war in iraq As a member of the Senate recently, I am proud to have been the lead sponsor on a resolution that, for the first time in 45 years, utilized the War Powers Act to get a majority vote in the House and the Senate to get the United States out of the horrific horrific Saudi-led intervention in Yemen. And finally, right now, this minute, I am doing everything that I can, working by the way with some honest conservatives in the Senate to prevent Donald Trump and John Bolton from taking us into war in Iran. Wow. So he was, he was totally just highlighting in that statement, his anti-war stance, his making that a centerpiece on his, during his, that campaign stop, it sounded like to me. So that's really good. So he says, Bernie Sanders, it's not just wall street and the drug companies and the insurance companies. And let me say a word about something that very few people talk about. And that's, is we need to take on the military-industrial complex. And we say, the military-industrial complex, that we will not continue to spend $700 billion a year in military. We want and need a strong defense, but we do not have to spend more than the next 10 nations combined. We are going to invest in education, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so that is great that he said that, and I I hope that he keeps on saying that. I hope that it keeps becoming a centerpiece of his campaign, because it actually might cause Donald Trump to start doing the same when he starts seeing that these candidates are starting to talk anti war, or it'll cause Donald Trump to push further away. Who knows? But anything we could do to get the anti war message out there, the pro peace message out there, this foreign this anti foreign intervention idea out there, I think is a good thing and something that's good for good for the country as well. So um, praise to Bernie Sanders for that. I hate the fact that he says, we are going to invest in education, we are going to invest in affordable housing, we are going to invest in rebuilding our crumbling crumbling infrastructure, but we are not going to invest in ever ending wars. That's good that he says that at the end, but he wants to take all that money and rather return it to the people, rather than stop confiscating it from the people. He wants to spend it on all of his great policies that he thinks he has, so that's fine at least we'll be out of war and then we could talk let's let's you know what? let's get out of the wars and then let's talk about all the other stuff as well too you know let's keep those things obviously front and center as libertarians but let's get let's get let's draw back the military as well i think that's a definitely a good stance to have um so yeah but that is bernie sanders i don't agree with him on just about anything but on foreign policy i can go along with that and let's make that you know tulsi gabbard have some you know talk to the guy get him to understand this, you know, that this that if he makes that the number one thing on his campaign, he could really do a lot of damage to most of these Democrats that are out there. But you know what? Do we really want Bernie Sanders to be the president of the United States? Do we really want Donald... I mean, obviously we don't want Donald Trump to be the president of the United States either. So I I hate getting into the lesser of two evils stance, though, to be honest with you, because I've always thought this, and, I've, and I, I really do believe this, that no matter who is up there... No matter who is the president of the United States, there is like a deep state per se. There's a bureaucracy that runs things, right? Very slow to change. And there is also an agenda that's going forward, which is the you know, the military industrial complex and so forth that really seems to stop every anti-war candidate in their tracks. So no matter who's there, there's trade-offs that these people make. And one of the trade-offs that they never make is... They'll always say, well, public policy for anti-war. Okay, I'll go ahead and stick with my public policy because that's going to buy me more votes. That's how I feel. So, uh, But hey guys, I do really appreciate you listening to the show. It's it's phenomenal to see the numbers growing every single day. So continue to share the show with your friends. That's all I ask. Continue to share the show with your friends. And if it's your first time listening, never been here before or maybe every so often you kind of come across one of my episodes, go ahead and subscribe, then you'll be able to hear it tomorrow. And then follow me on the Facebook account. Just go to facebook.com and uh, you could type in I on the Empire, and you'll be able to find me there as well as Twitter. And then you could also just go to IonTheEmpire.com and you could uh, look at all the news articles that I put post there, which are you know a lot of foreign policy issues as well. And then what you can really do is come back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020.